Welcome back to Safe Talk with Safe Start. Today we have a very special podcast. That's because we have none other than our Safe Talk with Safe Start co-host, senior consultant, Tim Page Bodorf. If you'll recall, when we kicked off our podcast, we started with a very special conversation with just the two of us. And uh, well, we haven't actually been back together on one since then. So uh, Tim, how many podcasts have we actually done between the two of us now? It feels like 40, Danny, but I think I think about the number in terms of the number is 20 podcasts that are totally available now. And there are several completely on the way. I know you and I have been editing, working our way through this process. And so we've got several that are scheduled to be recorded even this week. And we're about to post those shortly. I feel like it's been a great way to communicate with everyone in an on-demand format. It really has. And we're getting a lot of positive feedback Shameless self-promotion here. Uh, if you would, please share the word with folks you know about the podcast. And uh, if you think of a subject that you'd like for us to talk about, or if you have a suggestion for a guest, uh, you can email either one of us. And our emails are really, really easy. Danny at safestart.com or Tim at safestart.com. Tim's is easier. He's got less letters. Uh, <laughs> on a previous podcast with Rhonda Piggy, we casually mentioned the concept of organizational complaint. And uh, it's a really interesting topic, and today we want to dig into that a little bit deeper. Now, obviously in Safe Start, we talk a lot about the state of complacency at an individual level, Uh, but what and how can it become, I suppose you would say, systemic within an organization? I mean, and more importantly, what do you do about it? Yeah. I mean, we've both seen organizational complacency in places you'd never expect it to happen. I mean, it may sound crazy, but highly performing companies, Danny, uh, they, they can be a breeding ground for organizational complacency. Uh, think about it. Those organizations have performed so well for so long. It's, mm-hmm. e- it's easy to see how they kind of get lulled into complacency. I mean, recently we've heard lots of safety professionals saying that they've had significant reduction in injuries or even safety-related incidents, especially during these initial months of, well, SARS-CoV-2, Uh, COVID-19, the coronavirus pandemic, Um, whatever name you give it, it's it's almost as though everyone was very focused in that very, very time frame. Uh, But now we're starting to hear some rumbling, um, especially the same groups saying that their safety metrics are starting to trend back up. And many are attributing that to uh, what they call COVID fatigue. Um, They're just tired of it. They're just over with it. Um, basically trying to get back to the old normal, which unfortunately I believe it's not going to happen. But you might want to even consider this organizational complacency. Sure. The same thing. Some even said they focused so much on the things that they needed to do uh, to respond to preventing the spread of the pandemic or the virus that they basically let all the other things slip. Sure. And that's, that's easy to do. I mean, you think about it, how many times during quote unquote normal circumstances do we get really busy, be it with a, a project or whatever it is. And it happens, I think, both personally and also with companies. And when we get so busy, we just, well, we forget the basics basically. Yep. Uh, you know, and it's interesting too, that uh, one of our other senior consultants, Gary Higby, he often makes the statement that compliance training is a breeding ground for complacency. It's a little bit of a controversial statement, but I, I get what he's saying there. You know, it's, it's not something we can ignore though. You know, we have to do the compliance training. We're required to do it, but it's kind of a catch 22. 
Uh, we got to find ways to address the current hazards, but we also got to make sure that we're not letting the basics slip, you know, and that's kind of what I think folks have ran into with this pandemic. Uh, they focus so much on the current hazards, it's easy to let some things slip. Uh, so we've got to make sure that we're not going through the motions or else uh, complacency can start to take root. You know, I remember a story thinking about the idea of organizational complacency that uh, Larry Wilson, the author of Safe Start, used to tell about a time that he showed up at a facility and they had the sign out front at the front gate. Uh, and we've all seen these that showed something like, I don't know, I don't remember exactly. Larry could tell you, I think, the exact number, but let's just say it was like four and a half years without a recordable incident. And although now that I think about it, it's probably a little bit longer than that. Anyway, Larry walks in and he says something to the effect of, as only Larry could say, you know, thank goodness I'm here today. It sounds like things are just primed for something really bad to happen. You know? <laughs> it sounds like Larry. Now, it sounds like Larry, right? Yeah. <laughs> now, obviously he was joking, but uh, that I've seen the other side of that coin too. You know? I've encountered companies and honestly some safety professionals who who talked about their incredible safety record almost as though they've arrived and that there's well, not a lot more to do. And I don't mean to do, but me dismisses of, of going years without accident. I said, heck, I mean, it's, it's what we're all after, right? Uh, that's something to be proud of. But what I found is that quite often when you ask folks, uh, so how'd you accomplish that? Uh, sometimes you just get kind of a blank stare and it's all, it's almost like they suddenly realize that they've been, well, as we say, a bit more lucky than good. There's a great quote I read, I think goes along with this idea of organizational complacency. Uh, it's by Andy Groves, who's the former head of uh, the Intel Corporation. And his quote goes something like this, success breeds complacency, complacency breeds failure, and only the paranoid survive. Now, we don't really want everybody paranoid, uh, but we don't want to fall into the trap of organizational complacency either. So to start with, I think it would be helpful for our listeners if we shared some, some well, some real life examples of what we're talking about when we say organizational complacency. So, Danny, you literally just listed a bunch of gold. Um, first of all, Larry showing up saying that he's here, he's here to save the day. I mean, it literally sounds like Larry, but even though he was joking those kinds of things put people on their, well, their back laurels or their hindquarters. And they just kind of relax because they felt like we've done a great job for the last five years. Right. Um, so that's a great point. But that quote by Andy Groves, um, that means a lot to me. I literally think that he's a, a true executive Jedi. Um, I have to put that <laughs> into terms that I understand, but as, as you kind of, <laughs> as you kind of mentioned before, Complacency is a state of mind where kind of a person is out of touch with the hazards and the risks around them. Mm -hmm. Basically, they don't have good situational awareness. And right. most, most commonly, that kind of happens over time. So where people take conditions or the context around them for granted, and they get focused on other things that they're doing, they just they just not stuck in the moment or they're not in the moment. Yeah. And working around the hazards, specifically dangerous hazards, it kind of becomes second nature to them and they don't even think about the hazards until something happens. And it's almost too late at that point. But how this translates into a company or organizational complacency, it kind of works the same way. But instead of it just affecting the person, it impacts kind of a group of people or even worse, the company as a whole. And to me, um, ultimately, that's kind of how business gets done. Yeah. Um, we could include things like having the do whatever it takes to get the job done mentality 
Um, but I think it's my perspective, having the focus on productivity is kind of admirable. That's a great standpoint. But if they take unnecessary risks because nothing bad's ever happened, um, the real results can be um, can be very devastating. Absolutely. Things like making do without the correct tools for the job. And I mean, even, even people using the, the wrong tool or the most convenient tool because they're too lazy to go get something or even not wearing the appropriate PPE that's been outlined in a job hazard analysis or even going further and saying, I'm not going to lock this piece of equipment out because it's just one time. It's just one time. Yeah, yeah. Those are all just a few examples. So it's easy to see how these things can evolve into a systemic problem um, and not just a one-off for employees. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it's interesting as you talked about this, it reminded me of previous conversations that we've had about the difference between climate and culture. Uh, climate being kind of the snapshot of what's going on today versus the culture, which is, well, it's really kind of the accumulation of climate over time. Uh, often we talk about changing culture for the better, which is obviously everybody's goal. But if complacency sets in at an organizational level, even if it's just because of great successes, uh, that's part of the climate. And ultimately that could lead to some things that happen in the long-term culture, right? Uh, mm -hmm. It can very easily influence those and it can become systemic, right? right. Uh, it also fits in well with what we've been discussing over the past couple of years with our human factors framework, I think. Uh, you know, that focuses on two primary systems, the individual and the organization system. And the premise here is we learn things individually and then we can apply those to the organization as a whole. Uh, and that in turn then improves those, kind of like the old saying from the economics world, you know, a rising tide floats all boats, right? Yes, it does. Uh, the problem is I've seen a lot of groups that uh, seem to focus so heavily on just the organizational side of things that they seem to forget the individual or the people side of the equation. I mean, I've even heard some people talk about the goal of their safety programs or processes is to quote unquote, engineer the person out of the equation. Mm -hmm. uh, but yet I mean, there's still people there though, right? There's still people who are working there and those people will eventually make mistakes. And in spite of all of our efforts, we're probably not going to be able to account for all of those mistakes and errors. I mean, I know personally, I can be pretty creative in the way I mess some things up, you know? You and so, me both. Yeah, I mean, thinking about that we can eliminate human error in totality or that we can account for and compensate for every error that people will make, I think that's a bit of organizational complacency too. And that's, I mean, that's just thinking about occupational safety. That's not even thinking about the concept of safety 24 seven, right? Yeah. All right. Let me get off my soapbox here. Uh, if I know you probably have some tips that can help us avoid organizational complacency. We talked enough about the problem. Let's talk to them about solution, I guess would be the better way to put it. So Tim, how do you think we can help break this cycle? If, if folks find themselves here in this kind of this cycle of organizational complacency. Uh, thanks Danny for that. I, I got to tell you, I, I really like what you said there and it's not a soapbox. I, if you engineer out the solution, engineer out the problem, or engineer out the people, perhaps you're going to engineer everybody out of a job. And <laughs> True. Yeah. I I have to tell you, I um, we uh, we have a we have a museum here in Phoenix. 
It's the Phoenix Children's Museum. It's one of the biggest uh, scientific concepts I've seen for safety. Um, they've got 82 stairs that are 32 feet wide with no handrails. Wow. There's no handrails. And it insists on the mentor, the, the guide, the tour guide, the parent to walk up the stairs and explain to the children that the reason why there's no guardrails is to make you focus on going up these stairs. And I think that kind of puts people at risk, but it also meant, makes them understand that with the risk, they've got to focus. So yes. the, organiza the organization can do the same thing, but that comes back to almost what you said there with our learning loops with the organization and the individual, which comes from our human factors framework. When we're trying to combat complacency, specifically at an individual level, that actually in turn will reduce organizational complacency and increases outcome reliability. Sure. I know it sounds counterintuitive, but by actively doing something, we're fighting complacency. So you're actively sure. thinking, actively moving, actively understanding, or yeah. actively raising your situational awareness. So for me, when an organization gets complacent, they can overlook the big picture. And that means vision, mission to them, vision, mission, goals. And if they do this, they're going to miss out on a valuable improvements and some things that get stuck in this is how we've always done it mindset, sure. yeah, um, which kind of hinders potential growth. So in so many areas for safety to sales, that's just, uh, we, yeah. you know, we deal with this on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm -hmm. Performance, um, yeah, you name it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So think about those steps and those children and those parents and those mentors. Performance actually goes up because the situational awareness is raised. Now, if we engineered out the problem where we added handrails every seven feet, every 10 feet, whatever compliance would require, this is going to periodically force ourselves, both as individuals and as a company, to reevaluate what we're doing. And I think having better situational awareness in those situations is almost equally as good as engineering out the danger or engineering out the person or basically what you just said. So to me, I know that's really deep. You are not on a soapbox, but um, <laughs> in retrospect, um, kind of look at where we are. Um, what we've done too is with this situation like that, with those types of dangers, specifically with the kids, you can kind of do a rate your state um, like we've said in the past in, in several sure. different podcasts so if you're complacent, it's kind of hard to recognize the complacency in the moment, but I think we can question the ongoing level of complacency that we're allowing ourselves to work with. Some might term this as calculated risk. Yeah. Um, I think if you think about it, we all take risk on a daily basis, going up and down stairs with or without handrails, walking around ice. I mean, I had to investigate a situation the other day. Somebody fell on ice in January and they didn't know how to code it. So they said they didn't see the ice. I mean, are you looking for the ice? I mean, statistically, <laughs> the most yeah. dangerous thing any of us can do day in, day out, or on a daily basis is get in a car. So imagine car and ice and not paying attention. Yeah. Anyways, because of the safety equipment, traffic laws, and, the, and our confidence in, in our own abilities to both drive and recognize threats, I, we, I mean, we deem it as calculated risk that's worth taking which is why we get in the car. Sure, absolutely. And it's interesting to me, uh, some people who drive without even consciously thinking about the risk, uh, that I hear people say all the time, well, I'd never fly. I'd never get in an airplane. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm talking long before the COVID pandemic started. I mean, we're talking about you know, normal situations, not the, the pandemics going on as we're reporting this. Uh, 
and I have to stop and ask myself, why is it that you think these folks don't want to fly? Is it just a fear of flying uh, or what is it? And I think the realization that I had with this is that a lot of people don't want to fly because it involves something that's out of their control. And it's mm-hmm. not something that they have a direct impact as to what happens. Maybe we shouldn't use the word impact there, but you get the idea. Sure. So when a person takes a calculated risk, uh, what they're really saying is, I don't think this is going to happen to me. And in large part, that's because they feel like their skills are so highly developed that they don't have to think about the risk, which is a form of complacency. So if we extrapolate that out a bit in the workplace, I mean, if you've got a group of individuals that think that nothing bad will happen to them because, well, after all, nothing bad has happened in a long time. And by the way, they're really good at what they do, not just from a production standpoint, but also in terms of safety, then it isn't going to happen to them. It's like the company version of Hey, we got this, you know, mm-hmm. um, it, it's been said that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. And in other words, the organization's really made up of the individuals within it. And when everybody's working together, it actually produces more than the individuals could themselves. And you just over explain that a bit, but you get the idea. Uh, when we talk about how the individual learning loop begins to positively feed into the organizational learning loop, uh, if organizational complacency gets really, really prevalent, uh, it's really easy for that individual at-risk behaviors or actions to kind of become ingrained in the group as a whole. That's right. Uh, We've got this. Can we rephrase that into something that we've heard before? Now, I know we've spent a lot of time talking about timing, tone, and words, but Mm -hmm. it's a joke. It's a joke that we all use. And I know it's come up a lot of times and we've actually heard it several times. We've been doing things this way for 30 years and nothing's ever happened to us. And that feeds right into what you were talking about. Climate, culture, organizational complacency. Sure. Really. And then when you respond to these people, do you actually say, well, you've been doing things wrong for a year and you've had 29 years to reinforce <laughs> your bad habits. Yeah, oh, I know, yeah. but that's why it's so important to create ways to keep that team actively engaged and, and encourage team members to take initiative. Um, these need to be very intentional as well. So sure. otherwise, I mean, it could, or, well, it would um, be easy for everyone to get complacent about them. So uh, we talk a lot about integrating states, errors, critical error reduction techniques into pre-job, uh, pre-job briefings, um, even with the JHAs that we mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, but this needs to be more than just a paperwork exercise or checking boxes. I, for me, a, a check in the checkbox is actually breeding complacency, just like Gary said about training. Mm-hmm. If I've got to go check a box, then perhaps I'm only providing the impetus to check the box, not the impetus for the actual inspection and the reason why it's required. So stop and think about how those states and the errors could affect you, um, and especially and expose the hazardous energy to the people around you. Sure, absolutely. You know, and you're absolutely right. I mean, it can't be just a pencil whipping exercise. You know? uh, I remember once I was on site with a company back 
oh gosh, probably been five or 10 years ago, I guess. Now I'm not going to say what the company was. That wouldn't be proper. But uh, as a visitor, you had to sign in and you had to go through the safety briefing. And as a part of the safety briefing, uh, you had to sign a statement that said that you would not rush today or you, and you would not become <laughs> complacent while you were in their facility. And uh, yeah, I, I didn't make a big deal out of it because I, I didn't want to cause an argument there with the client. And I remember thinking in my Myself, you know, oh, if it were only that easy, <laughs> if we could just say to ourselves, just don't rush today, don't be complacent, and then that would go away forever. But it doesn't happen that way, does it? Yeah, you know? it does not. I mean, it sounds like they were a bit complacent on how to combat complacency, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I've talked about this for years, but uh, it's just come up a lot recent, uh, a lot more recent, and uh, the discussion I had with Larry about blame and deflect. And it's easier to put these things on other people and not absorb the responsibility. But in sure. terms of combating that type of complacency, that is organizational complacency to a T. Oh, yeah. you're a visitor. We're going to tell you not to rush and complacent. And if you don't, or if you do, sorry, <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, you know, you see where I'm going. Oh, yeah. Anyways, Absolutely. we always say with Safe Start that we know we can't do away with these four states. I mean, they're a part of life. Sure. But we can learn skills and techniques that'll help us prevent from basically causing the errors because we're in that kind of a state, or at least the likelihood of us being injured or having a performance error. And I know as well as you do that when Larry does his writing, he takes some of our some of our stories from the past, and I've, I've got plenty of performance errors that necess that didn't necessarily get me hurt, um, but it it did cause me to lose some, as Jack said, time and money. Absolutely. Time and money. Anyway, another great thing to do is uh, also to focus, to help us focus on some, on some complacency as you're sharing Safe Start stories is to kind of really hone in on the critical error reduction techniques sure. that'll help you with it. So one, 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 one in particular is working on habits because it does help to compensate for complacency. Mm -hmm. So think about the things that you and your crew um, can habitually do that would help. And you can work on that together. Uh, maybe it's having a team member from a different department conduct a morning pre-shift briefing uh, instead. Uh, instead of hearing the same voice over and over again, that's just, you know, that you talk about COVID fatigue, imagine supervisor fatigue and former sure. fatigue. And then that's where well, that. How many times have you seen the supervisor? It sounds like kind of the, you know, the teacher from Charlie Brown, you know, as he's giving yeah. a safety briefing, you know, so, yeah, that's yeah. a great idea. I have somebody from a different department or whatever come help you with that that's funny that you say that because the trombone was the voice of that teacher um, <laughs> i play a, i play a mean trombone but <laughs> i don't remember a trombone ever sounding like the teacher <laughs> it's just exactly. that it was it was just kind of cool to, to to make that 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 analogy but anyways <laughs> i think I, I think you're right getting a fresh voice in with a fresh set of eyes yeah. um that that combination right there could help the situation go a long way and that those those people, those fresh eyes, those fresh voices, they could also ask questions to the group, especially if there are things that they take for granted, like, why do you do it this way? That question yeah. right there will spark some thought. Or is there a safer or better way to accomplish this? Or even yet, would a different tool or piece of equipment make this safer? I think you sure. kind of get the idea. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, we talk a we talk a lot about sharing safe start stories too. Sorry to cut you off there, but no, that's good. That's good. Um, keep on doing that, but make sure that you're sharing good safe start stories. 
I mean, you know what a good Safe Start story is. And if you don't remember, you can go back and listen to the Jack podcast on Safe Start Stories. Sure. Be sure as you're sharing these stories that you focus in on certs and don't leave that important piece out. In other words, don't just go through the emotions as you're telling these stories, kind of like we're talking about with organizational complacency, Dan. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I've heard, uh, I've heard folks use that term before, you know, story fatigue, you know, we're, we're tired of stories, you know, and, and sometimes I think when that happens, uh, you kind of just, it's almost you, you kind of halfway tell the stories. I mean, you get the point of the stories out, but you don't necessarily really stop and review those stories in depth like we really should and think about things like, okay, well, what could we have done to prevent it? You know, we always talk about a lot of times the thing that's left out of a safe start story is, is the, how it could have been worse. But uh, what I'm also hearing is more and more people that are just, they're forgetting the, okay, we told the story about the problem, but we didn't really talk, talk solution. You know, we didn't talk about the certs that could help prevent it from happening again. So That's be true. sure you're including that in those too. Yeah. Uh, I think those are some really, really cool tips and some great tips there. Uh, one final thing that I'll throw in here and man, gosh, I don't want to sound like Debbie Downer here. I don't want to end on a down note here, but folks, Please, 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 please. All right. How many times do I say please there? Please. Please don't let organizational complacency lull you into kind of this false sense of security. And I don't know another way to put it. Uh, you know, Tim, I, we've both seen the, the tragic results of this. And I'm sure a lot of other safety professionals have seen it as well. Uh, it, it just, it's, it's heartbreaking. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I've seen situations where people think that, their, their processes are, are so good and so airtight that they nothing could happen, but yet they do, you know? So uh, in other words, I guess, uh, don't wait till you've had a tragic situation before you, you stop and you put some of the concepts that we've been talking about today into practice, right? Uh, be proactive. And like you said earlier on, Tim, sometimes just being active, just being proactive that in and of itself really helps to break down organizational complacency, right? Yes, sir. That's right. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and again, I don't mean to be on a soapbox there, but I mean, it, it's really true. Just don't, don't fall into that trap because it's so easy to do. And I've seen it happen far too many times. And like I said, that it's usually a bad, bad situation when it does. Right. Right. Anyway, enough for that. I don't want to end on a bad note there. Uh, but, uh, I think it's been a really interesting conversation, you know, and I just urge everybody to continue to think about and try to do some things to try to prevent this uh, organizational complacency from creeping in. Uh, I guess that's about it for our time today too. Uh, wow. That went fast. I didn't realize how, how quickly this was going here. Uh, Tim, thanks again for sharing your time with us and, and listening. By the way, folks, if you'd like more information on our human factors framework, uh, the learning loops that we talked about earlier, uh, you can visit our website, safestart.com, and you can type in human factors framework in the search engine, and that will pull that up for you there. Again, that's human factors framework. Danny, thanks for all the hard work too. And so on behalf of both Danny and myself, Tim Page Botter, thanks for joining us today. And we look forward to talking with you again on another podcast with Safe Talk with Safe Start.